Good evening to one and all present here. I hope everyone is doing well and is safe despite the pandemic. I'm Madiha Anam, the landscaping designer as well as the marketing sub-lead for Esteem and the moderator for today's seminar. On behalf of my team, I welcome you all to our 12th webinar as part of our seminar series called Symposium. Esteem is a solar decathlon society of Hawaii University. We participate in the SDM competition held in Dubai by building a sustainable smart home to tackle the problems of climate change. Our aim through the symposium is to elaborate our field of expertise and provide a learning platform about the different technologies, principles, and ideologies involved with this team. We will be having a practical learning interactive segment at the end of today's seminar, where you can ask any questions that you might have related to the topic that our guest speaker will talk about. We will be recording the seminars as well, so if you want to refer to it later or show it to your friends, you can see a snippet of it on our social media platforms or ask for it through via email. Um, and also, if any, everyone could just type in your email IDs in the chat box uh, so we can send the certificates of participation later on after this seminar. And you could share it on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook later on and tag us while you do so. So without further ado, I would like to welcome our guest speaker for today, uh, the industry speaker, Stephen Drew, who will, be speaking on <laughs> who will be speaking on post-pandemic career in architectural design. Stephen Drew is the founder of Architectural Social and is the head of Talent and Accroyd Larry. Stephen has done his uh, no wait. Stephen has done his Bachelor of Architecture and um, BA honors from University of Westminster. Stephen is also a council of member. No, Stephen is also a council member of Royal Institute of British Architects. He will be covering topics like um, how to crack an interview, explore explore the architectural world, be post COVID ready, and much more. You can drop in any questions you might have in the chat box throughout the presentation or raise your virtual hands using the MS Teams feature. And I'm sure Stephen will be happy to answer them all. And now over to you, Stephen. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. We're um, we're at an interesting time, aren't we? It's kind of we're mid-pandemic, but kind of post-pandemic. Or even if we're still wearing, you know, our little, you know, our safety and we're still going around with our masks. The reality is companies still want people to kind of go back to the office right now. So for any job seekers or anyone thinking of getting a job in the architecture or the wider design industry, it's actually quite a good time. And so as of recording this, what is it? It's October the 22nd, right? And so the during the pandemic last year, uh, especially in London, you had a lot of practices and their first reaction was stop recruiting because, you know, there's that little bit of the panic with the with the pandemic. And, and the, I think the view was we have to, companies were trying to hold on to their existing staff. Okay, that was the priority. But now we've kind of gone past that point and what I see a lot in London and what I see a lot in Europe as well is that, you know, actually business is booming. We have to kind of continue. So there is very much a recruitment drive across architecture, landscape, urban design, and BIM and other sectors as well. So it's actually a really, really good time. And so for anyone worried about it, the first and foremost thing is, you don't need to worry. However, on that note, it's all about, ideally, you want the job that you're going to feel inspired in. So uh, while there's lots of jobs out there, maybe in today we can talk about how do you get the most probability? How do you get the chances going in your favor? How do you get lady luck on your side to land the job that you want? Well, I don't think there is such a thing as luck per se. What you'll find is that people who are lucky actually work really hard on it. If you work really hard and you see the portfolio and you then send, you then contact a lot of architecture practices, you're probably going to get more and more interviews. And that's the key word. It's there's a bit of hard work and there's a bit of probability to it as well. So, if you're more in the start of your career, then it, my advice is as a student is always to send out your work to lots of places because what have you got to lose? You're just getting into the industry. Chances are that practices are not aware of your work yet. Okay, further along in your career, maybe you don't need to send so many applications out, but you tailor it to the practices which really 
um, you feel like you like what they do, you're interested in their work, and you speak their language, you will reach out. So for instance, you're doing a lot of work right now about sustainability, and, and you know, for them, and that's super, super important. Talking about the environment, perhaps you reach out to an architecture practice, which has similar views, and you talk about all the lessons and the interesting tidbits that you've learned during your time working on projects, I guess, such as team is team, right? And you really want to then approach those in a way that they understand what you're talking about. But that's the key bit is to reach out because once you've got your CV and portfolio, and that's a lot of work, then you've got to go out there and you've got to be your own recruitment consultant. You've got to be your own salesperson per se. And I know we, we hear the word sales and it's like, oh, it's a bit, oh, it's a bit awkward. And it's like a bit, oh, it's like sales. But what we're talking about, we all um, at some point during education, or we're all at some point, especially in architecture practice, we always have to convey ideas to the client. We have to convey ideas to each members on the team. And that's a, an important exercise that we've all learned. I mean, I'm sure we've all had the crits here in architecture school where you're kind of nervous and you're presenting your work to the tutors, you know, and they're there. And you're thinking, oh, gosh, how's this going to go? But that skill is really, really important. And you need to do that kind of exercise with practices, okay? Because the CV and portfolio, it will, it's, it's, there's information there, but you need to get that in front of people. So how do you do that? You send CVs and portfolios in emails, but the brave, the bold, the person that gets the first opportunity is also the one that reaches out. And did you know as well that only 20% of jobs are advertised online? So many people and and me when I when when I started out in architecture as well, you wait on job boards looking for jobs, but no, the uh, most of the jobs, eighty percent of jobs are not advertised. So the best way you can give yourself the most chance of working at the companies that you always admire is to reach out to them, and you send them your CV and portfolio. Um, but ideally, you try to send it to one of the directors. You don't send it to one of them info at uh, stephendrewarchitects.com. You know that mail inbox which gets flooded with loads and loads of spam. We've got to tailor it to the person that you're interested in. So, for example, who in the organization is going to admire what you've done at Team's Theme, right? You can maybe have a quick look on the website and you reach out to them. So, for instance, isn't it much more powerful if you said, dear David, I am really interested at working at David Architects because I have admired your work and you're passionate about sustainability. You're passionate about the environment. I have actually for the last two years, I've been working on this project, Team Esteem. Have a look at my CV and portfolio. I am available immediately in London or wherever you are in the world to work. Okay, I'm more than happy to come in for an interview or do a Zoom call. Is there a time that works for you? And isn't that much better than uh, doing the email that I've done before where you go, dear uh, sir or madam, uh, I, you know, and you send it to the info inbox and it gets ignored. So what we've got to do is you, you're at, everyone's at an exciting point in their career, but you've got to take that um, search and we've got to kind of do some of the skills that we haven't learned in architecture about reaching out to people with your CV and portfolio so that you can get the most, the maximum opportunities to get further in your career. And it's okay, and it's really okay to feel a bit uncomfortable with it because it's, it's, it's not something we often do. However, the per, you, we've all been in that boat and if you can, you can definitely get past that uncomfortability. I promise you, the moment that you reach out to an architectural practice or a landscape company, you find that person, you send them the CV and portfolio that you've spent a lot of time on, chances are it will be well received. In your mind, we all have that thing that we think, like, you know, when, you, when you're growing up and your parents, they're doing a good job raising you up, but what do your parents tell you? They go, don't speak to strangers. You shouldn't do that. You're bothering someone who's busy. And actually, so we all 
it, we all feel a little bit awkward. Like, excuse me, sorry to bother you, but we have to go past that and reach out politely. And that's the key word. You can be respectful and polite, but you can also showcase your work. And it's okay to follow up a week after. Maybe don't follow up like on the 10 seconds. You send the email and you're like, all right, have you got it? But you can follow up a few days later and say, hi, David. Um, I appreciate you're super busy. I, I sent the CV through um, early on Monday. Just check in whether you've got it or do you have any questions, you know, and chances are maybe that person will get back to you. But look, I've said a lot of bit of an intro there, but we can talk about anything you want in there. But the CV and portfolio is important, but it's just as important for you to reach out to get the interview because the CV and portfolio, yes, it's a super important document, but it's all about getting you in that interview to get you in front of that company so that you can have a conversation with them and through the through the nature of that one hour interview, that conversation, they then believe that you're the right person to join the company. And that's the goal. That's what the CV and portfolio is. But the CV and portfolio, it can be the strongest CV and portfolio in the world, but it, it takes you to go out there as well to show that really awesome document in front of people. So it's about drawing and uh, designing the CV and portfolio, getting out there as well and getting in front of these companies. That will give you a bit of an insight into my thoughts on it. And I am more than happy to answer any questions you have, or if for instance, we have any requests to talk about CVs or portfolios, Martin or whoever on the panel, or you guys in the audience, if you answer any questions, I am more than happy to give you my thoughts on it. So I do have a few questions kind of ready for you. Um, yes. Over the time, yeah. if if but if people want to jump in, ask their own questions, obviously, please do that. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I don't need to ask all my questions, or if I need to, I can definitely send them to you, Stephen. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think okay. they're pretty good. I worked on them all day. Um, <laughs> um, but um, I mean, just to back up what you've kind of been saying about about reaching out to people. Um, I mean, as part of our job in Esteem has been to uh, you know, go out and find partners, go and find companies right. that would sponsor us. Um, and it's kind of exactly what you're saying about getting a job as well. Like you need to kind of reach out to a specific person there that will help you. If you send an email about, oh, can you help us into an info email? Nobody really responds very often. Yeah. Um, or it's often not very positive answers. So usually when we get like an email effort from somebody, oh, contact this person in that company, they'll help you. Or if we actually look them up on LinkedIn and kind of contact a specific person, it's been by far more powerful um, yes. and we always got further through it. So I guess it's kind of very similar approach to um, to getting a job as well. So um, I think it's kind of a good experience that my fellow team esteem colleagues that have contacted companies. Yeah, um, amazing. And it's great to hear that we need to kind of apply that in, um, in finding a job as well. So um, I didn't know that before, so thank you for that. <laughs> of course. Um, so I've got a few questions. Um, it's obviously this workshop is going to be a little bit more like question, answer and discussion. Feel free to talk about anything for as long yep. as you need. Um, so my first one of my first question is, um, what um, skills do you feel architecture students struggle with when it comes to applying their degree in real world? So I guess this is more from like university perspective. Do you think that architects that come out of university are ready for the world? And um, if not, like what do you think should be improved? Or what should we as students work on before it's, getting into a job? It's a good question because um, I feel a lot of different viewpoints. Sometimes I've some some architecture practices will be, look, a student is not ready and they don't know much, but uh, it's the enthusiasm which is really important. And in other architecture practices I speak to in particular think, do you know what? Some of the software that these uh, students are learning at the moment is amazing. So I think uh, the, the, the way I always think about this is every student and everyone has something valuable to offer. Now, the way I would think about it is, is that now a graduate in an architecture company, uh, there's all, you have to think what that role is. Typically, especially as a graduate, you'd be in the lower end in terms of the experience in the company, because you probably, you don't have experience in the office yet, but you bring a lot to the table. So it really helps to learn software such as 
um, you know, Revit's really important. And, you, and what's really interesting at Team Steam, you're doing a lot of collaboration, and that's really, really key because it's the, the kind of the lessons that you're learning here about collaborating and working together is really important. So, for example, a lot of companies will be very happy to know if you've managed a BIM model or something else that you understand what it's like to have, a, a, you know, an information model and have many clients working on it. So. Uh, to answer your question specifically, though, what will people look for? Uh, I think that if you've done anything like technical detailing is always a key. Coll uh, um, showing exercises of collaboration, which you all have in abundance, is super, super important. And I think as well, what's really special about what you all do is this kind of real-life projects. And I think that anything real-life, which isn't theoretical, it kind of complements it. So, for example, um, when I actually got a job as a part one, um, it, a lot of it was based upon some of the projects that I, some of my passion projects on the side of architecture. It was kind of like, yeah, you've never worked in an office yet, so that's fine, but you know MicroStation, so that's cool, because I'm sure in my age now, but MicroStation was the software that everyone used in like 2009. I think it's, it's moved on now, but it was the passion that I had for building um, interactive exhibitions. And, you know, I was just with my friends, I would do these bits or I would play with a little programming and Arduinos. And, and basically it was the conversation I had in the interview with them about me building this stuff, which got me the job. So all the extracurricular stuff that you've done, and in particular, what I think is interesting about your projects is how they fit into the real life context is gonna be really, really important because you always have to think what that role is in an architecture practice. And uh, I think as a, as a part one, you'd be working on part of a team. So for instance, if you're a new student there and you know the software they've got, then that's probably a big advantage. But also if you've done some technical detailing, then that's good because they might have a project which is at technical detail stages. And that's the kind of thing you always want to think about. It's like how can the work I've done fit into this company? Or for instance, all the stuff that you do on environmental and sustainability, that could be really important and relevant. But just try and think <clears throat> where it will fit in. And don't worry that you haven't got all the experience yet, but it does help to go out there and do extracurricular stuff. I know, I know, I was, I remember when I was a student at some point, I was thinking, oh man, what else do I do? What do I put on the CV? And there was even stuff like I'd work in the supermarket and you think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't put that on. But it was good because I could deal with customers. I could deal with tricky situations, you know? If it dropped a pile of milk on the floor or eggs, you deal with it and, and there's an element of all this stuff actually really helps you get in a job. But again, to summarize and answer your question, think about uh, where your value will be in the architecture practice. They don't expect you to know everything, but if you've done technical drawings, if you've done software, if you've done real life examples and such as project work and collaboration, which you all have in abundance, those are the kind of things that I would probably show. Thank you. Very good answer and very positive for team as team members. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Um, so um, what would you say are the three top design challenges facing architects today? Um, and it's kind of like a follow up question as well. Um, do you think that current students have different mindset with design, um, such as environmental considerations compared to previous generation? Um, really? so kind of like... Yeah, really, really good question. So um, I'll, I'll offer it from my perspective in terms of people getting jobs, opportunities, and also, uh, for example, in Accurate Lowry, and for context for anyone listening, so I work on the Architecture Social, which is my business, but I am also part-time employed at Accurate Lowry, where I do all of their internal recruitment. I'm the lucky one because I get to go in on a Friday and have pizza or usually and all this stuff. So I get to pick the days that I'm in. Um, to the point though, so uh, John and Oliver are the directors and they really, really do care about sustainability. They really do care about the environment. It's a really important driver. And I'm I've actually, anyone that's even listening here now, you know, on, in terms of architecture or all the work you've done, it would probably, if you demonstrate your work and your views, 
you could probably get an interview when that role is arrived because the practice is so passionate about sustainability. But it really, really does vary on different architecture practices because um, we're talking in particular about the environment. It's always important, but to some practices, it's part of their ethos, it's part of who they are. Um, and so uh, I don't think there's different design challenges at the moment. I think what it is, is this is a different environment. So I think that it's, again, it kind of comes down to like thinking where is going to be the right practice for you. And actually it can go the other way that sometimes you can join a company and unfortunately maybe they don't share all the views that you have. But I think what's important and for any students out there as well, sometimes it's kind of good to go somewhere and you even if you don't agree with them, then it's really good to learn that situation and because in the future you can work somewhere else you don't have to stay somewhere forever but sometimes what i've learned is that um i remember one year in particular years ago i set up my own business but um the mistakes i made from that has really really helped me in, in my career and um i remember i worked in an architecture practice called epr architects and i loved it because it was a big practice but for some people it wasn't the right fit and that's okay and some people and, and sometimes going to a larger architecture practice you you learn you you actually enjoy a smaller architecture practice or it could be the other way around and so i think that um the, the challenges at the moment if i it, the, it, it's more about finding where where you want to work does that answer your question you remind me what you were what you're driving at yes yes that does answer the question i mean it's more like yeah the three design challenges that would kind of be um very important and if there's a different mindset that people have yeah um, going to yeah. their career compared I think to previous I, generations uh, you kind yeah. of answered that yeah i think what i've learned is that you know, the design challenges, each architecture practices views it differently. And what I'm beginning to learn is that, so for instance, at Accurate Lowry, the, the the speed at the projects we work is like, wow, it's insanely fast, right? And the, the quality of the architecture is there, but it's a totally different design process. And I think that some, <clears throat> I know one or two companies that will spend months go working out the design on these huge projects as well and so the they have totally different design challenges so i think it completely varies on on the company um and it's very different it's very different you know it's work at for instance fosters and partners versus smaller architecture practice and your experience on design and the challenges in there will be completely different that's a tricky question martin uh, you 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 give me a run for my money there. I had to really work and sweat for that one. <laughs> Can't make it too easy for you. <laughs> yes, challenging. Love it. Um, okay, I'm thinking of other questions as well uh, about the yes, time. So, um, what do you think um, of the current path of gaining a degree in architecture? Um, it hasn't changed much in a long time, and it has, and the process is very long to gaining an architecture Ooh. degree. Yeah. Um, so, and often, I mean, when I was, so my degree, I do structural engineering with architectural design, although it's not recognized by um, RIBA, I, I do do some design work as yes. part of my degree. Um, on the team, however, um, I am the um, head of architecture and have been for the pretty much whole duration of the, of the project. Um, and... and, and <laughs> I've always wanted to be an architect as well. Um, but one of the reasons why I chose the path of engineering is because I, for example, didn't like that the architecture wasn't technical enough for me. I needed something yeah. a bit more technical. Um, and I wanted to really understand how building works when, when going into architecture. But I still want an architecture degree, but it's such a long path. It's so difficult. And often at the end, you get quite a low paid job, actually, surprisingly. Correct. So what do you think of the current path of getting oh, a degree wow. in okay. architecture? This is a good question, which I can, I'll give you, this is right up my street, because this is a good timing. So ARB are reforming the education at the moment. So I know you've all been busy, but that's super important. Sadly, uh, I'm too far now in the process and, and you're kind of in the middle of studying math. So it might not affect me and you, but what I like is that ARB are kind of finally Really? Well, they've they've kind of known about it and, and lots of people have been talking, but you're right. There is a problem right now because on one end, the architecture practices 
there's a fee for the amount of work that's been done. And that fee has been pushed down for a few reasons. It could be that companies are competing with each other, or it could be that developers are saying, I'm not going to pay that. I'm going to pay a lower fee. And unfortunately, when the fees are lower, it means that and unfortunately, some some practices, people will be working longer hours and the salary will be lower. And you're right. That's not really that exciting to hear that, that you've got a lower salary when you like study for five years and it costs you like what? 90 grand or whatever to do 90,000 um, pounds to study architecture. It's kind of. Um, a bit of it's a it's a very strange environment, and I think that before when I was studying it, it was three thousand pounds a year to study it, and the year before me, it was one thousand five hundred pounds per year to study it. So I think what's happened is the price of the education's gone up, but the salaries in architecture are not going the same. So whereas before you'd have architectural practices, where you've got lots of people dying to do the work. Right now, well, it's kind of like well, I do love architecture, but I've got a lot of debt, and this is the salary. So I think it, the 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 system is realizing that it doesn't work anymore, and you can't expect someone who's just spent all that time and money to work on a lower salary. So I do think um, <clears throat> that it's good that the education system's going to be shaken up. I think that five years is long, and now the stuff you learn is going to be super useful in your life. But that's the other important thing. I quite like the fact that you're doing structures as well as architecture. I know it's a specific case study, but that's really, really valuable. And I think over time, the ARB will loosen up in the UK to what they define as an, as an architect um, because they kind of have to. Um, and I do think that um, architecture companies and design companies are more open to people who are maybe not qualified. Like, for example, in recruitment, I one of the people that was super talented that they met is technically just a part two, but they've been running projects for 20 years. So they were a job runner. They were basically an architect without title. So I think to answer your question, yes, the uh, architecture system needs to change. It's good that the ARB, which is the Architects Registration Board in the UK, realize and that they and they are reviewing it now. So I think that's a good thing. And I do think that employers are um, kind of coming around to the to the realization that um, we have to be sympathetic to students who have spent a lot of money to come into the industry. We do need to give good qualities. The one thing that I would say, though, because I've moved away from design and architecture, and I, so I do recruitment, which um, it was okay for me because I was never the person that um, – I, I I never took pride in technical. I didn't care about that. I really like the front end stuff. I like the architecture practices, but it wasn't for me, right? So I've gone into a more people oriented sales role. That's really not for everyone, but it was studying architecture which got me to where I am. I know a lot of people that studied architecture and do other stuff as well, but those are my friends who are stuck with it. Okay, they're not as high paid as some salespeople I know. They're not as high paid as lawyers, but you the the one thing which is kind of cool is that you all get to design projects which affect the real world you get to you get to build something and i think that if you have that passion that will go with you but also i'm hoping as well 2021 in the next few years that i think more design professionals will the the pay will be recognized hopefully over time we'll get it will be creeping more of a thing that um, it gets paid. I mean, no one really wants to work overtime, but if you're going to work overtime, then if it's paid, it's not as bad, is it? And it's like, come on, we need to wake up. Because I don't know, I worked in retail for many years, and it's like I would come in on a Sunday because I was getting paid twice to come in on a Sunday, but otherwise I'm not coming in. And I think that um, architectural practices are slowly coming around to the idea. But – we are in um you know in an industry which is super exciting but it's it takes a bit of time it's a bit like what we talked about before this call architecture is a big profession and it will take a bit of time for these things to change so 
hopefully, Martin, in a few years' time, they won't be five years of studying for architecture. And hopefully, um, I'm part, I, I feel that things are going in the right direction. Yeah. Thank you. Very good answer. And, and yeah, I'm really glad to hear that they are trying to change it. Um, because I found it difficult. I was kind of thinking, like, this is the degree I want to do right now, but I want yeah. to have the architecture title at some point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and just going back to study for five years, and then it's also two years in practice, and then doing the tests and everything. It's just such a huge, long process. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'll already be in the design industry. Like, there should be some kind of simplified version for, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm trying to find just the easy path, but <laughs> no, it's not easy though, is it? It's another five years. <clears throat> Who wants to do that? That's crazy. So hopefully, as you say, you'll you'll have your degree and what, and then in a few years' time, A or B will realize, oh, you can be an architect, and you're thinking, finally, thank goodness. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. I feel positive. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, you're a part of the RIBA now, so. You know, try with a change. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am trying. I am trying. It takes a bit of time. <laughs> of course. Um, right. Most of us on Team as Team um, are engineers. Um, Harriet Watt has architecture students, but mainly on the Dubai campus. And when we first started, it was there's a lot of architectural engineers on our team, um, a huge yeah. amount, actually. And um, then there's a lot of um, other kind of engineers. So what do you think of the current relationship between engineers and architects um, and what should both industries do to get close the relationship? Because I know that sometimes there's that bit of, not like hate, but it's a bit of like, oh, they don't know, know. what I'm talking I about. Exactly it kind of goes both ways. I know where you're going with this. An engineer, it's the joke, isn't it? The engineer thinks that the architect is spending money everywhere. And then the architect thinks that the engineer is just trying to reduce the design. Um, I remember, and this is between, uh, well, I say between us, it's like on YouTube and everything. But I, I remember years ago, like one of the architects I'd know would be like, oh, if you give an engineer the task, they'll just design a square because it's more efficient. And I don't think that's fair. Um, but then also I've heard sometimes like, um, I'm not an engineer, I see a developer the other day who um, I, I, I met. It was just like, architects sometimes they just spend too much and i'm thinking in my head i'm like no you're crazy because i think architects actually work extremely hard and you know it's really hard to make a, a a project profitable but also good design and i find that line is an interesting one but uh to answer your question i think like um the relationship there is usually good i think that you always have to um you always have to bear in mind the other person. Okay, so for example, you always have to understand it from the engineer's point of view, that they they want the building to work as efficiently as possible, and you know they have really good intentions. But then if you're the engineer, you have to understand the architect, actually, you know, sometimes it might be a little bit more difficult, but actually it's because, uh, you know, it's that design, it's that payoff, it's that thing that's going to make the building stand out. So I do think that it's all about listening and collaborating. And I think have a bit of a sense of humor with it as well. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important. And just have a bit of an understanding as well. I remember years ago, and you will laugh, I, 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 when I was in architecture, I had one large, like high-end residential building. And, um, you know, the structural engineer, and this would be really relevant to you, actually, Martin, wanted to put a column in the middle of the room. And I was like, I can't put that column there because that's the view's going to be destroyed. And then you know, the structural engineer was like, oh, I'm not kind of happy about it, but I guess we can put it somewhere else. And sometimes you have to pick your battles because you're not going to win everything. And I think that's really important in architecture. So I wasn't going to let the column be in the middle of the room, but on other things, I would be like, okay, we uh, we can make it work around you, Mr. Structural Engineer. So pick your battles. It's, a, it's also a very interesting, I mean, it's a very personal question for me as well. Obviously, me studying the structural engineering mainly yeah, you're both. on the project, I'm the architect. And sometimes I have to put my engineering hat on and sometimes my architecture hat on. Yeah, exactly. 
I've got that battle in me being like, oh, do I want it efficient or like, <laughs> where do I go with this? Well, it's good um, because that's actually quite realistic and that's what happens in real life. And, 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 and often it's a compromise, but I think what's good is, you know, the battle of sometimes you just know that that view is worth fighting for. And other times you think, well, uh, you know, structurally we have to do this. That's the that's that's the balance. So well done. You've got your own internal conflict, but I'm sure it'll be useful. Thank you. Um, I mean, I've got a few more questions. Um, obviously, we've got last twenty minutes. Um, sure. So, does anybody on the call have any specific questions that they'd like to ask? Um, um I've got a few more. If, if not, um, but sure. if any of you guys have any questions, um, please. Yeah, there were a few questions that were Ooh. sent by the participants. Um, Amazing. Mm -hmm. It came within the registration form. So one of the first questions is, um, any personal challenges you'd like to share that you faced during the pandemic in your professional life? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's where the architecture social came from. Because I was put on furlough because in terms of recruitment, there wasn't any jobs. So I would let a team of five people in the architecture team and not quite the same architecture team that you'd be working on, Martin, because it was architectural recruitment. But yeah, there was no job. So I just all my uh, my whole pipeline of work totally evaporated. So it'd be like the equivalent of you are working in an architecture practice and all your projects got put on hold. And um, so I was on furlough. And so for the first month, it was really fun because I was like, I'm getting, okay, my pay's cut, but I'm going to drink some wine, going to watch some Netflix. And I was, I was like, whatever, and just enjoy myself. But I have that architecture brain we all have, where after like a month, I was like, oh, I need to do something because my brain was getting rusty, you know, and I was like, I was getting frustrated and I didn't really know how to let it out. And that's when I set up the architecture social, which is at the time, it's still an online community. Now it's got a job board and the podcast and resources, but that's where it really came from. I think I was, I, I was like uh, in bed, like probably it was like 12, one o'clock. I was looking at domains and I saw the architecture social was available. And normally these websites cost like two, 3,000 pounds if they'd been already registered. But this one was free. It was, it was like 10 pounds. So I got that URL and then the next day I was like, I put my design brain on and, and not in like terms of building an actual building, but I was thinking, right, what infrastructure should I build this forum in? What's the best way? The trade-off, and Martin, you'll appreciate this. I was like, I need a forum which is robust, but I need it to look good because it needs to work for design professionals. And I don't want something clunky. And so really I put all my creative juices into building this website and then the forum started taking off and then I couldn't help myself, so I did a podcast and all this stuff, and it's kind of grown from there. And uh, if I didn't do anything during furlough, me and you probably wouldn't be talking now, because it's that chain reaction which gets you to where you want to go, and <clears throat> that's um, really, really important. So, you know, for anyone, and I could have quite easily been continued to be lazy, but it was doing something and going out of my comfort zone on furlough and maximizing the situation, which really, really helped. Um, and for anyone that's thinking, oh man, you're saying, oh, you're doing all this stuff. Well, I'm now 34. So it took me many years to kind of be in the right place and right time with this idea. So it's never too late. And don't worry if you've never done anything, because before this, I hadn't done it. But it was taking that opportunity and thinking, do you know what? I'm just going to go for it. So that's my personal thing. It was just doing that and sticking with it every day. And some days I get a bit tired from it. And other days, like I'm building my business. And some days I'm like, oh, man, where am I going to get the work from next? So maybe how will I pay the bills? But that's the journey and that's the excitement and that's what keeps you going. So that's been my little personal journey on it there. And um, yeah, I think that's what I've learned from it is the great things can come out of it. But also a lot of it is extremely hard work. As you all know, I'm sure like there's been times in team esteem where you're thinking like, oh man, 
I just this is just too much work or whatever. And but it's actually it's that those moments which are quite character building, you know. And that's what I think is amazing because you don't have to do team as team, you know. You've got enough on. You're all studying. You're all doing bits and bobs. But it's all that extra work which is super super important and will make you uh, and it will pay off because I'll tell you when you look for jobs. And wherever point you are, all this extracurricular work, it's going to look amazing. And I'm confident that because you've done all that hard work, it will pay off. So uh, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. Uh, indeed was helpful, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah amazing. Um, Martin, you want to continue or shall I? Um, if you have any more questions, um, you can ask them. I also have, um, I asked, I asked Alex, she's our, um, she's our faculty team leader. Um, she, um, she's also an architect um, and she's the um, um, head of architectural engineering department within our university. She has also asked a few questions. Um, okay. So I've also got a few from her, but um, if you want to go first with your questions, um, I can then answer, um, I can ask mine. Oh, I think I'll just do a last one. Um, okay. I think... Um, to adjust in the new normal world, um, do budding architects have to include new building processes, materials, or social distancing in their design? What do you think? Well, I don't practice architecture anymore, but from what I'm hearing when I sit in the architecture practice where I work, Accra, Larry, you are right, 100%. I mean, the big thing currently in the UK is still less to do with the pandemic, but it's to do with Grenfell. So the big issue that we're seeing at the moment is to do with regulating fire, making sure everything's there. And it has a massive effect in the business because even stuff like um, insurance and you know making sure that your practice is insured to make these decisions has changed so, so much because of Grenfell. So I'm seeing less in the way of um, discussions about uh, distance in terms of, you know, one meter. I don't hear that. The big, big, big topic and also is being discussed in Reba. And I'm allowed to say this because it's in, it's in the public notes, but it's all to do about the trials and tribulations of fire. It's so important it, it, in the UK right now. We've got to be very careful what cladding you pick. You've got to be very careful what use of wood you can have in buildings. And rightly or wrongly, that tends to be most of the conversation. It's less about, you know, using, I don't know, materials such as copper or whatever, because they're self-cleaning. It's less about that. It's actually a lot to do with fire. And you'd think we'd be talking about the pandemic, but no, it's actually to do with fire regulations. So I think that that's a, a big driver at the moment still. But I do think that um, the other one I would say is that um, on the back of the pandemic, what I see is that there's less commercial work because it's less talk about big offices, but you still have maybe companies doing stuff like WeWorks, you know, office shares, and you've had lots of people look at how you cut up existing offices and you turn them into uh, smaller offices or even residential. But I'll tell you another interesting thing that we can all relate to because houses, okay, before, who cared about an office room? It's like, what are you on about? It's a bedroom or it's, you know, a living room, dining room. But now think about it. When you're selling a house in the future, you're going to talk about a home office, aren't you? Because now it's like, well, I need a home office and it could be a bedroom, but actually if you, when you're designing houses, you're going to be like, well, this is the home office room. And before people would be like, what are you on about? But now it's like, oh yeah, cool. So I do think that there is definitely changes there, subtle and big. So I think like the, to summarize the question, big hot topics is stuff like fire, but we'll see subtle changes like that in residential where actually home office is a big thing. So yeah, little changes. Yep, I, I agree with you. Um, Martin, you want to go ahead? I was going to add to that. Good news, we've got an office room in our house. Yes, <laughs> there you go. We definitely Sorry, need um, one. 
Mm-hmm. The, the questions from Alex, I'm really glad she actually sent them in, um, obviously being from the academic side and also being an architect. Um, yeah. So um, one of her questions, very interesting, do all places usually require a portfolio when applying for a job? In architecture, I think, yeah, typically. It's not said, but it is it's kind of expected. I think that it's interesting because on LinkedIn, I get applications and LinkedIn only allows you to send a CV. But really, what I would say is, especially when you're, especially when you're at the start of your career, you send your CV and your portfolio, and the portfolio is probably more academic stuff. Further in your career, you then you'll have a beautiful portfolio which showcases all of your industry experience. Now, when you're at director level. You almost don't need a portfolio anymore. You might just have, because you're you're running these projects and all this stuff, you might just have an image or even you see even talk about the projects. But also, in architecture, it tends to be more portfolios. But what you'll find is that, say now someone like yourself, uh, Martin, maybe you go into more structural, is you, you'll have some sense of a portfolio but it'll be very different or i see a lot of people you know missing how you go into planning or say now you go into other industries such as development then you do not need the portfolio in those it will just be talking about uh, when you're a project manager for instance you don't really need a portfolio anymore you just need information such as how big was the building how much value was it worth what time did you use it what reba stages was it built on so you don't really then need a portfolio but as an architect it's always useful and they'd say you're probably going to need a portfolio up until you're like an associate director or something as in it will be expected there and i I think that if in doubt send the portfolio but when you favor in your career you probably don't need it anymore thank you um just writing that down. <laughs> okay, um, other question is, um, are people, those being, I guess, the firms as well, are people more interested in construction and their engineering knowledge or more graphic ability? A lot of universities go more towards like the graphic design and things like that, other than the technical knowledge. So what do you think is the more interesting for industry? I mean, it might depend on a firm, of course, but... Yeah, good question. I think that... Um, while it's important, design is important, ironically, and um, I think most people will think it's the design stuff that gets you the job. I think it's the opposite. I think it's um, I think it's construction is really, really important, but it's also the kind of stuff we talked about before. So, for example, any real life stuff that you've done, any project based stuff that you've done, if you built a temporary exhibition, if you've, you know, you've built a pavilion, if you've worked on with a team of people and you're submitting um, projects, then, you know, and you submit competition entries, then that's usually worth a lot more. And so, but to specifically answer your question, um, it's very impressive when people come into an interview with technical drawings that they've done and they've seen construction stage stuff because that skill set is very, very useful. And I would argue that um, if you had two people in the room and one was more focused on front end design and one was focused on more construction, the person with the construction will have more job opportunities because it's a highly valued skill set. I think it is really important to understand design, but also, you know, as a designer, if you've never really done, since buildings go through construction, it doesn't, you haven't got then that feedback from the experience that you've learned to inform the design. And so I see that a lot of very good people further in their career are good at construction and are good at design. And that's what I call all rounders, as in someone that's seen all Reba stages. But that's so it's really really important to do the construction because the construction informs the design you know when we're all students and we go and do our design and you know now martin as well you probably think sometimes oh my god half that wouldn't stand up anymore but it's actually 
that um, experience when you've done a few more years and that the construction can then inform the design. And then I think that's what get, gets really, really interesting. But if in doubt, when you're looking at your job applications, always show your technical drawings, always show those those aspects and sides of you because it's really, really important. And um, I guarantee you that the, it's the technical drawings which will get you the interview, not the sexy render. Very good yeah. to hear for somebody like me. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. So these two next questions are kind of already have been answered. I'll ask them anyway in case you want to add anything. So how much yeah. um, importance is based on having previous experience in office um, and how much importance is placed on having previous experience on site, so on actual construction site? Oh, good um, question. So I do think it's really helpful to go on site because it's it's an experience that you, you learn from on all the architects that I see doing really well and in demand tend to have site experience. So I do think it's really, really important. Um, I think it's everything in moderation, as in if you're someone that's just been on site, then that's great. But you, I think if you could, you know, worked in an office as well, that's fine. But I do think if you're someone in an office and you haven't had much site experience yet, it's really worth going a little bit out of your way to say, okay, I understand the project I'm on right now is not in construction stages, but I see that team is, can I spend a bit of extra time? Can I go on to the, um, can I go on with them? Can I shadow one of the architects? And it's a bit like when you do your part three, you know, you can do it on your team or another one, but I think that's a really good exercise to do Martin, because even if you don't directly work on site, you sh if you get that experience from another team, it's really, really valuable. And I do think it's really, really, really important. So I would encourage people to do it. So a little bit like my answer with the technical drawings, I think that if you haven't got on-site experience yet, that's fine, but you really need to start making an effort to try and get that because it puts you in a stronger position in terms of when you're looking for jobs. Perfect. And I'm, I mean, as part of our team as team experience, we have been working in Construction Scotland Innovation Centre. We have been actually constructing the house. In, um, we actually built the cross laminated timber panels ourselves and screwed the building pretty much together. Oh, you, you, you'll be fine, you guys. It's yeah. amazing. And now, yeah, now we're flying to Dubai to do the same exact in there because we transported the house over. Um, I've got one more question from um, Alex, but also Neve has her um, hand up, so um, I'll let her ask her question if that's okay. Yeah, it was just while we're talking about the experience, because um, you know like when you see a lot of job offers, they all last for like three to five years. Yeah. Is it still like worth our while to apply for those if you've not quite got the years it's asking for? Good question. I think what I would say is you can apply to those, but remind, remember, remind yourself that only 20% of jobs are advertised. So probably the jobs which do not require so much experience, they're probably not advertised. So when you're um, someone, especially in the start of your career, the best thing you can do in there is um, actually apply yourself, apply direct to this company and say why you are looking and reach out to them directly and forget that advert altogether. And and um, well, you'll, be, you'll be amazed that if you approach companies because so you've got to start somewhere and i think that those advertised jobs just put them aside you know because you're spending a lot of time and energy on them probably you're not going to hear something back yes the answer to your question you can send something to them but my advice would be go to companies which are not advertising jobs. And the, one of the best ways to start is actually on Google. Look around when near you, you know, um, and, and because you'd be amazed that there'll be a kind of a practice you've probably never heard of and they're not too far from where you live. And actually you write, you think, ah, oh, their website's kind of cool. You send them an application and then, hey, you could be working very closely to where you live. Or, and again, there, there could be the companies that you always aspire to work to. Let's say, for instance, you love Heatherworks projects. Heatherworks is a good example that, uh, did you know they get a lot of 
amazing designers, but they're always looking for people that can do construction because they don't get so many people who are construction oriented applying to them. But that's again, if you reached out to them, you might get a job there. So to answer your question, um, don't worry too much about the jobs that are posted on job boards because they're going to have more people apply to them and they're probably not going to be such the right fit, but apply directly. Make your own job openings, reach out to the companies. Because even if they don't have a job just yet, imagine your CV's in the inbox and then on Wednesday, and it's Monday now, on Wednesday, they um, they decide that they want to hire. But why would you? they write an ad if they've already got your CV in the inbox? So you basically skip the queue. And I think that's the thing. And that's the way to do it. And most graduate positions, in my opinion, they typically will have um, people apply already. Um, so be that person that's in the inbox and be the person that reaches out. And I guarantee you, you will get a job 100%. Okay, great. Thank you. No problem. Okay, I've just got one more question. Um, so that Alex has asked. So, um, how essential are BIM skills, BIM skills, um, versus CAT skills? Um, is ketchup enough when applying for a job? Um, honestly, no, it's not enough. Um, in my opinion, it's not. I think that it basically, you, it's not to say you can't get a job with just ketchup. But you asked me to be um, honest, you asked me to be open. And I think if you do understand BIM, it puts you in a massive advantage because lots of companies use BIM. So Accred Laro is a bit of an exception because we use Archicad, which is BIM, but we don't use Revit. Most companies use Revit. And remember earlier I gave the example about um, BIM models and crashing them. And I have been recruiting for so many companies and that's when they worry, they go like, well, if someone doesn't understand BIM, Steve, I don't want them coming in and, you know, screwing our models up kind of thing. And I, and I think that that understanding of BIM is super, super important. And it puts you in a massive advantage. And, and the reality is, if you know BIM and someone else who they equally like doesn't, and the job has is in a BIM environment, they're probably going to go with the BIM person. Now, you don't need to be a guru. You don't need to be the Revit maestro. You just need to understand it enough. Um, but it will. it is definitely something that tips the table. CAD is kind of like, you know, everyone should know CAD. And if you don't know CAD, it's like, come on, you, you got to really, you, in practice, you will be using CAD. So, you know, we, it's not enough to just know SketchUp. And I do think that if you don't know the software, you really should be open to learning it. And I do think it gives you a massive advantage if you can learn it before you join um, a company, just even a little bit. Because the company will always teach you in the ways they use the software, but just showing that you know a bit is really important and you can get free tutorials online you know you can find everything on youtube to be honest enough to get you going and you can download the software i mean i think like autodesk you can get free licenses and you know if you can't do that well uh, i'm just saying that when i was in university i couldn't afford revit so i would pirate it right now no one's going to ask you when you're in practice are you pirating software anymore but when you're a student no one really cares about that now please don't tell your course leader i'm telling you to download software but what i'm trying to say is if you just get something to learn it it's not gonna be frowned upon you know do what you need to do okay don't pay two grand for a license. Try to get it free with your student license. And if you can't, then just find a way to download it and learn it and just learn a bit. Yeah. Okay. Autodesk is not going to mind because in the future, you know, they product. Okay. They won't care where they won't care. Where they care is if you're a business using a license and that's bad, but learn BIM don't make excuses with yourself because the truth is it will give you an advantage. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Um, 
Again, very good answers for everything, as I expected. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, thank you so much. Um, honestly, very insightful. Um, I'm definitely going to share the um, this with the rest of the team. I think you've said like a very a lot of very important points, especially for us in in team esteem, and I think it kind of reaffirms our hard work in team esteem that we've been putting in, and yeah. and most of us have been putting in far more work into team esteem than to actually our university degrees. <laughs> It'll pay off in the CV so, and portfolios. It will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of end of my question. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll let um, you speak, Maria. Yeah, okay. Um, I just, I think it's like time to end it now. So um, thank you for that, Stephen. That was really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, after the seminar, I believe everyone has learned something new and useful today, especially about the architecture world and cracking an interview in this normal new era. Um, I would like to also thank all the interviews that attended today. Um, and I just want to take a picture if everyone is comfortable with that. Um, yeah. You want me to yeah. look at the Niam? camera? Yeah. <laughs> so you have a look. Okay. okay. Tell me one cheese. Cheese. <laughs> Okay, well, I think I, I think I need one more. Yep. Okay. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, yeah, that was that's, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and also, if you want to visit our crowdfunding page, it's live now. Uh, if you'd like to donate any amount to build our sustainable house, we would be grateful to you. Um, yeah. I'll share the link to the crowdfunding on the link uh, soon. Yes. And also, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn and Twitter to get updates. Um, we hope everyone enjoyed our seminar. And uh, with the COVID relaxations coming in, I hope you enjoy your season. Take care. And thank you once again for joining in today. Bye bye. Take care. <laughs> bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye.